Thank you for joining us today for the ministry of the word at Foundation Church. We pray that what you hear today will be as much of a blessing for you as it was for the people of our congregation. My sermon today is called From One Generation to Another, and it is uh, from Psalm 145. I don't know if you guys ever saw the cartoon Fat Albert. You guys ever see that cartoon? (laughs) Actually, a pretty great cartoon. But there was a guy on Fat Albert who, when you didn't have it, uh, he could reach somewhere and he could get it out, whatever it is. So I think Billy may be that guy. He may have one of everything we need somewhere in his audio collection. We, We set up his audio stuff over in the building over there this week and he's got a lot of stuff so we'll see what happens here never fear you know one thing about uh knowing the word of god and being the one who you know writes your sermons if all the power goes out and i have a bible which we do we're still good okay uh and might even like it even better who knows Um, But my sermon today is called From One Generation to Another. I have a little image here up on the screen. Uh, This is actually a sketch or a a drawn by a rabbi of what they do with young men, young boys on their bar mitzvah when they're 13 years old um, as they are tying this ribbon uh, to to their arm. It's a part of their tradition, but... You know, the Jews are very, very good in uh, the traditions that they have to pass on from one generation to another. They have been passing on their traditions for thousands of years, and they've been doing it quite well. It's amazing that with no temple, no sacrifice, none of that, there's still Jews everywhere, all over the world. And they are able to pass along their traditions and their faith. I'm not saying the Jews are our model. I picked that because uh, I just, I like the symbol of it all. The symbol of the Jewish people when they teach their children to read. Uh, The concept is child learns to read because he will learn to read God's word. I love how when they introduce the letters to them, this letter And they bring this letter. It's not just, you know, A is for Apple. Uh, It's, you know, A, and they bring something from God's word. And they teach them the scriptures in a way uh, that I really think we could learn from and and benefit from. So, I'm going to read verses 3 through 6, and then I'll begin. And I do have this. I apologize that I'm having to hold this like this, but hey. It is what it is. Um, Maybe it will work this way still. So we'll see. All right. Psalm 145, verses 3 through 6, beginning in verse 3. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty 
and of thy wondrous works. And men shall speak of the might of thy terrible acts. And I will declare thy greatness. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for loving us, for being kind to us, for trusting us with the great responsibility of preaching and teaching your word and passing it on to the next generation. I pray today as we go through Psalm 145 and we hear the words of the psalmist, Lord, that we would be encouraged and strengthened and instructed and we might be able to apply these things to to our lives. Amen? Amen. Um, You know, the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, is completely replaced with a new one about every 100 years. Isn't that kind of a a weird thing? Everybody that is a Christian today, everyone that is alive, serving the Lord, reading the Bible, praying, everybody within about 100 years is going to be what? They're going to be gone. But somehow the church of Jesus Christ continues on. And of course, it's not like, you know, we're all the exact same age. So that kind of works out, right? We have young people and whatever. And this perpetuates this life in the body of Christ. We each must work, as we were discussing in our uh, beginning part of our service, we each must work to replicate ourselves. Everybody say, but with improvements. (laughs) You see, what happens, the reason why people die and they get older is our cells replicate, but every time they replicate, they pass on not improvements, but distortions, and then eventually we die. See, this is the opposite of the body of Christ. We are passing on improvements. What I'm hoping is that I came to know the Lord and that I had a passion and a love for God, and I was able to pass that on to my children with all the mistakes I've learned. And with the wisdom that I've gained in my lifetime and pass it on to the next generation. Amen? Now, not everybody can do that or does that, but that's really what we want to do. It's how the body of Christ lives and continues on. With everything uh, else eventually will waste away in the whole world. That's why when the Bible talks about in Psalm chapter 1 that those that don't know God, they're like the chaff, which does what? It just blows away. The Bible tells us that what happens eventually, that the ungodly are not. So they will not go on and on and on into eternity. uh, And their generations will finally, they will come to, they'll come to an end. But the way that this generational thing is passed from one to another is how the kingdom comes. You know, we'd like it to come through, you know, a, 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 a Twitter live event or uh, a world premiere or some great, it's not going to happen like that. The way the kingdom comes is slowly and it comes through individuals and it is, comes through the work of small churches and uh, people that live for God and they pass on what God has given them to the next generation. In fact, it's the most important thing you do. 
How many want the kingdom to come? How many want God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven? Isn't this what we pray for? Don't you want justice to overcome injustice? I mean, honestly, when I used to hear that, I was like, what does that mean? You know, if you live in a world where uh, anarchy reigns or the power uh, of the wealthy rules everything, you know what becomes more apparent every single day? Injustice. Certain people just get away with everything and, and they do whatever they want and there are no consequences. But other people, they pay doubly, it seems, for what goes on. I want to see an end to injustice. Do you want to see the scourge of poverty eradicated? There are people whose stomachs are gnawing with hunger while other people throw away so much food and and they make so much waste that it's ridiculous. Don't you want to wipe out illiteracy so that everyone can read God's word? I do. You know, one of the amazing things that Dr. East did when he went to the Chin people, do you know all the Chin people were a completely illiterate group of people? They could not pass on their history. They could not pass on their traditions any other way except through oral traditions. And they never had it written down. And it enabled them to form a society that they have now that they could have never had then. What they did in the day that Dr. East came is they would, the way that they would survive is they would go kill everybody in the village over here. And then when that village got big enough over there, they would come and kill everybody over here and they'd take all their stuff. This is not how we want to perpetuate a culture. Amen? It is not the strongest that survive. It is not the clever and the powerful, it is those that are filled with Christ. All these other things will come to an end. Don't you want to see peace on earth and goodwill toward men to be the rule and loving your neighbor to be the norm? I was with a man this week, and I was actually with Rachel's grandfather and uh, Jim, right? Jim, Jim Daniels, right? And uh, I was sitting with him and talking to him. And there was something that happened in that little exchange that reminded me of how ugly the world can be. And he, he told me that he bought these books, okay? And he gave me one of these books. And it's like an answer book, you know, if you want to know, you know, in the Bible where you find this or where you want to find that. And, and he gave me one. And, and as he was telling me about how he got the books, he actually cried. And I was like, I was kind of, I was looking at him and and he said, the man sent the books to me and he trusted me to send him the money. And he started crying. And you might go, what's, what's that crying about? Let me tell you what that crying's about. Anybody, anybody, you know, sending the thing to you before they pay for it on eBay? (laughs) No, (laughs) you know, if you're selling something, You're like, yeah, when I get the money, then you can get your thing. Why? Because you just don't know. It's hard to trust people. And we live in a world that is filled with people taking advantage of other people, of lying to people, of not trusting the people. And don't you want to see that come to an end that when I see you or talk to you or when someone, you know, you you believe they're going to do what they say. Now, you may have heard it said that the person you are, the human body, you know, 
kind of pinch yourself a little bit, poke yourself a little bit, maybe pull a little hair, you know, this body right here. Do you know the body that you have? You've heard it said that every seven years you get a whole new body. Did, did you know that? Now, the truth is, is that's not exactly true, but it is kind of sort of mostly true. It's not every seven years there's a whole new you, but a lot of you is new. In fact, you know, uh, all of your bones, every cell in all of your bones is replaced every 10 years. But your skin, Stephen, your skin is, all the skin on your whole body is replaced like in three months. Isn't that crazy? All of the cells that make up your intestines and your stomach and all of that, it's replaced every three months. You get a whole new digestive system, one cell at a time, every three months. Isn't that crazy? Your liver cells replace themselves every three years. So every three years you get, you get a new liver. I don't know how exactly this all works, but apparently the science is... Uh, is true. But there are some cells in our body that are never replaced. And I actually thought this was one of these ways that God speaks to scientists and people like us. Do you know 60% of the cells in your heart are never changed? They're never replaced. And a great deal of your brain is like this as well. Why? Your memories and who you are, right? And and although it is just a muscle in your heart that's doing this, there seems to be a little bit more to it than that. Amen? Right? How about our newlyweds in the back? I think there's a little bit more than chemical reactions and the contractions of heart cells. A little bit more than that. You're like, I love him so much. She's my beauty love, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? Right? Don't turn around, guys. They're... they're you know, showing some love, showing some love. The body of people that make up the parts of the body of Christ, we know we are all replaced, as I mentioned a little bit, about every 100 years. And to me, that's amazing. The faith delivered to the church by Jesus and the apostles has been uh, remade and reborn through replication hundreds of times since the first century. And that's really what Psalm 145 is about. It is about passing on from generation to another generation. You are part of yet another making and remaking of the church. You are replicating yourself. I don't know if you know how this works, but you're, the way that cells uh, replace the other ones is the information in that cell. That cell, before it dies, you know what it does? It divides and it replaces itself with a new itself and the old one goes on and is gone. That's really what's going to happen here. One day I'll be gone and there'll be somebody else doing what I'm doing. One day you'll be gone. There'll be somebody else doing what you're doing. They're not going to be right. Uh, Nathaniel, they're not going to be if we don't teach, right? You know, one of the things that is on Nathaniel's heart, like it is on Stephen's heart and my wife's and so many others is education, you know, now we're not just passing on information. There's more to it than that. We're passing on passion. We're passing on culture. We're passing on more than just that. 
And your body is the same way. You, don't, you pass on stuff that, that scientists have no idea how it gets passed on. There's, they don't see it written in the code. And so there's something else going on that gets passed on as well. You are replicating yourself into the future, not just through your children. In fact, I really think mainly through your disciples. And I, yes, your children should be your disciples. But, but it seems that God has chosen that it cannot be just through the family because the family is not enough. God did not send the family to the world to save it. He sent the church to the world to save it. The church is that constant. It's part of what perpetuates the faith into the next generation. You can certainly do that in your home, but there's something about uh, a church that God has chosen to bring the collective parts of the body together. People from every kindred and tribe and people and nation. Psalm 145 is a song about spiritual succession of God's people into eternity. It's about passing on what we have found in our relationship with God from one generation to another. So as we jump in here to Psalm 145, we're going to look at this. And so you get in the inspired heading and it is a song of praise and everybody say of David. I think this is the last one of David of all the Psalms. So 75 uh, that are said to be written of him. 73 say in the Psalm headings, David, two more in the New Testament are attributed to him, which makes it 75. And then a lot of people based on the content believe 10 more. So maybe even up to 85 of the Psalms were written by David. It's called the praise of David. And uh, Calvin says about it, that throughout a continued celebration of the perfections and the doings of God, it is certainly one of the most interesting and beautiful of the compositions of the sweet singer of Israel. And so high an opinion did the ancient Hebrews form of it that they were wont to say this, whoever utters this psalm three times a day, now we're not superstitious, okay, but the Jews believe this, who utters this psalm, this Psalm 140, this is the new, you know, the new prayer of Jabez, uh, Crystal. If you say it three times a day, you know, you'll, your, your flowers will always be perfectly in color, right? Something like that. But whoever utters this psalm three times a day with the heart and the tongue is a happy man and shall infallibly enjoy the blessings of the world to come. This is what the Jews believed about this psalm in particular. This is also what we call an alphabetical psalm, which, as I mentioned before, uh, like Psalm 119, it starts off, the first stanza starts off with the letter A, and then, you know, it goes through all these stanzas, then ends B, C, D, or Aleph, Beth, Beth, Gamil, Daleth, you know, the letter, the Hebrew letters, the 22, 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. So this one is like that, and it stops at the letter N. It doesn't go all the way. It just starts off A, B, C. And I really think that there's something in here that is happening because they don't finish the alphabet because I think what they're wanting to show is that there's a passing on. Somebody else needs to pick up after M, N, right? And someone else needs to pick up the next letters. So it's A, B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way down in this an alphabetical psalm. He begins in verse 1 with these words, I will extol thee, my God, O King, 
and I will bless thy name forever and ever. This exaltation or lifting up, putting God higher than everything else in this world and in our lives is a wonderful thing. We lift up the name of God. We should put him first. We're not to put our children first, our wife first, our country first. We're to put God first. And what that does is that gives a stability and a, a, uh, a bedrock for the building of your family. Uh, when we did premarital counseling, the Russells will remember. It's like, hey, when your wife knows that your life is not built on what she wants, but it's built on something stronger than that, it's built on the word of God, it really gives a sense of security in your home. Right? When it's not dependent on how good you look or how wise you are or how spiritual you are. No, my life is going to be built on loving God, obeying his word and putting him first before all other things. But now don't miss the next thing he says. He said, I will extol thee, my God and my king. And those of you might hear that and think it's just, oh, uh, he could have just said, I will extol thee, oh, my God, uh, you know. My God, he can just say my God again. But that's not what the word is here. The word king means to be the ruler. And so, you know, people have this idea, oh, they will say, you know, God is the most important thing in my life and, and I love God and I believe in God. But if the Lord is not your king and your king means your ruler, when a king is mentioned, if someone said, oh, I met a king. What would be your next question? The king of where? Right? The king of what? Well, if it's the king of Mount Sterling, it's going to be different than the king of England, right? So when you think of a king, you think of the kingdom. And so, of course, the king of the kingdom of heaven is Jesus Christ, king of kings and lord of lords. Amen? So when he says... That he is our God, capital G, but he says he's our king with a small k. It's not to reduce God, but to understand the difference between these two things. To say, I believe in God and the God of heaven. Well, the God of heaven is also a king of the earth, and he's your king, and he's mine, and he's the king of a kingdom. It puts our life in purpose and in perspective. To be God, the creator, the great power of the universe... And far beyond uh, me in time and even outside of it, the God of innumerable dimensions and unseeable and noble complexity and nuance. Yeah, that's one thing. That's God. However, in addition to that, this exaltedness, this lofty post above all, he is our king, our ruler. He rules heaven. Yes, he set the laws of nature above us here on earth. But in addition to that, he is the governor of everything and everyone on earth. He is in charge of every aspect of my life and existence. If your walk with God uh, consists of the fact that you go to church. Remember in the early days of our church, those of you here, we would say, we don't go to church. We'd say what? We are the church. To be the church is not that you go there, but where you go, the church goes. What you do, you go, well, no one really knows what I do at my house, or uh, I have these relatives over here, and I live this life over here, and I got this other life at work. It's not like that. If he is your king, 
in the kingdom that you're in. If you're part of the kingdom of this world and you don't know him as your king, you're not, you're not one of his. He's a personal God and directly rules over us with no mediator between us and him other than the man, Christ Jesus, who is king of kings and Lord of lords, the ruler of all earthly rulers. Even over your little fiefdom. I will bless your name forever as I live and breathe. I will sing and speak the praises of a magnificent God of heaven, the king of all things here and everywhere and in eternity. I will continue to praise him. Praise is not a temporary thing. It's not something we'll do on earth. And when we get to heaven, it will stop. We're not just praising him for saving us from the trouble we get ourselves in. But we glorify him for his greatness. We will do it on earth, but we will still do it in heaven. We have just begun our singing. We are tuning up for a forever choir. When we come to verse 2, it says, every day. Everybody say, every day. I don't believe these are just words. He's trying to teach us. And what he's going to be teaching us about, how do we pass on what we have in God to the next generation. Everybody say, every day. Every day I will bless thee. And I will praise thy name forever. How often do you praise God? Every day, you know, not a day should go by. Not a piece of food should be taken into our mouths that Praises go up to him who sends down the perfect gifts and gives man breath and life. David says, I'm going to do this every day on earth. I, I honestly don't know how you can go more than a few minutes without praising God. And I don't mean you got to stop and get out your tambourine and shake it and do a jig. That's not what I'm talking about. But there's something about a life that sees the life. You know, you walk outside and you're just like, oh, thank you, Lord. You know, we ate some really good food at this wedding last night. And I remember the first bite of this. What was that? Was that a steak? Was that a piece of roast? I don't know what it was, but man. Woo! And the first thing I said was, mm, thank you, Lord. You go, well, I prayed for my food. That's not what I'm talking about. You know, yeah, we pray for our food. Oh, Lord, we thank you, you know. That's like, think about it this way. Uh, you know, I'd like some food, <laughs> you know, that's a request. But when you make food, you, you're a cook, honey, you know, and you bring the food out and Crystal goes, mm, wow, that's good. Okay. That doesn't happen. Crystal's got to look at her. Okay. Maybe it should be the other way. Crystal, you ever cook for this man? And he goes, mm, you know, I don't know. Right. You know what I'm talking about? That, that, that's what praise is. Praise is, mm, Lord. That's good. Lord, you know, living a lifestyle that when you, when good things happen, me and Billy ate a peach the other day, right? Billy's got a story about peaches. He can tell you, but I'll tell you, I ate this peach and I'm just like, mm. not just, uh, it's good, but mm. Lord, you made peaches. Like that is, if you don't live like that and I'm trying, I'm not trying to like, blast you for not doing it. What I'm saying is you're missing out 
because it's the truth. When the, when the sweet ripe peach is like, you know, running down your face, you know, and you're tasting all that goodness in your mouth, God made that peach. And when you recognize it is a gift, what does the Bible say in James? It says every good and perfect gift comes down from the father of lights. And so I see it and I'm like, oh, this is a gift, you know? I mean, I've had a bad peach. I didn't thank God for that, but you know, oh, thank you, Lord, that all the other peaches. No, I'm, I'm talking about it is a spont. It's a way of just flowing every day. Every day I will bless thee. I will praise thy name forever and ever. Not only do I do it every day, but I'm going to keep doing that forever and ever and ever. In this body I will keep it up when I join the heavenly choir and the angels that fly around the throne saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. The whole earth is filled with his glory. This is what I'm going to be doing. And so I might as well tune up and start with it right now. Holy, holy, holy. Verse 3, David begins to praise the Lord. He says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. You're like, oh, he just used the word great three times in a row. (laughs) When the Hebrew does this, what happens is it's like, he's great, he's great, he's great. And I guarantee you the music is doing this. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. I'm telling you, this is what's going on. Hebrew, it magnifies when you say the same word. He's great, he's great, he's great. That's what's going on here. And what is he doing? He's magnifying the Lord. That's what praise is. David offers his praise directly here. He's he's not just telling what he does. He's showing what he does. When David danced before the Lord, he was probably saying something like that. He's great. His greatness is unsearchable. He's greatly to be praised. He's great. And then they're like, what is wrong with that man? Honey, you remember the song? Great are you, Lord, and worthy of glory. Great are you, Lord, and worthy of praise. Great are you, Lord. I lift up my voice. I lift up my voice. Great are you, Lord. Do you guys know that song? Great are you, Lord. And that song goes, bum, bum, bum. You know, are you great? That's, that, that's what David is doing here. You're so great, there's not even a way to know how great. That's what he's saying. It's unsearchable. <laughs> You're so great. I'm never going to be able to explore it all and know it all and see it all and understand it. It's unsearchable, Lord. There's no end of your greatness. It cannot be completely searched and understood. Your magnificence is unsearchable. You know, this is what praise is. You might go, well, that's not very complicating. Praise isn't complicating. Praise is not doing nothing. Praise is offering God. He gets to verse 4 and he's explaining what, the, what, what his goal here is. He says, one generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. So here's how a verse where we see the generational succession. It's how we replicate ourselves and pass on what has happened in us and to us to our next generation. 
we tell our stories and we share our experiences. I'm pausing for a second because I'm kind of wondering if I should say what I'm going to say or recommend that you do something. You know, we're getting ready to do the next few weeks are going to be the Hallelujah Psalms. And I remember, you know, I know you guys aren't public school kids, but in public school, there is a class called music class. Honey, do you remember music class? And in music class, uh, they introduce you to, to instruments. Now, everybody can't play the saxophone, Ash. And in music class in, in middle school or elementary, they're not trying to get you to play the saxophone or the trumpet or whatever. I remember being introduced, Sally. Do, maybe you remember this. When they bring out the instruments, you know, and they bring out these two sticks and the sticks, you go zoop, zoop, zoop. And you can like make noise with them. And they bring out this little deal. It's got two little symbols on it. You know, did this, anybody ever have this experience in school? I did. And, and they got the one that you go like this and it kind of goes, you know, like it, it like claps, you know, like, you know, and then they get a little tambourine and, and, and then there's like a little cowbell, you know, like ping, 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 you know, and you go, Mark, what are you talking about? Well, not everybody can sing. I love to sing, but not everybody can sing. Everybody can clap though, right? Right? We can all clap. Well, those of us with two hands, right? Can clap. Some of you can't keep rhythm. It's okay. Billy's a little suspect. Maybe everybody shouldn't clap. You know, we got to keep on the beat, right? But one of the things I was going to send out a note, since you're here, I'll just go ahead and do it to you. I think it would be fun if everybody, everybody in here, every single person, men, women, and children, not every Sunday, not whatever, but in these next few weeks, I think it would be awesome if everybody had a or a jingle, 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 or a zip, 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 some kind of a thing, okay? Because where we're going is that praise is you're praising God with your whole body. You're praising him with every sound. You're praising him with everything. And so that's why when we get into these hallelujah psalms where we're going, he's like, praise him on the cymbals. Praise him on the high-sounding cymbals. Praise him on an instrument with this many strings and that many strings and this way and that way. Let everything. And what is he doing? He's trying to say every sound, right? So he says, one generation shall praise thy work. So hey, if you guys all want to get instruments of every kind, we're not playing them every week or anything like that. But the next coming weeks, we may do a little, a little, a little fun stuff, okay? One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. You know, it's hard for kids to keep still. You know what? If they had a little, they'd be, they'd be having a little bit of fun. We tell the stories to the next generation and they share our experiences. One of the reasons I will be writing books is I love to tell stories about what God's done in my life. And this week, my wife actually told me a story that I did not, maybe she told it to me, but I forgot. But it's the kind of story that I think and hope. Kids, do you know this story? So we were pulling into the thrift store over on West Broad over there. What's it called? I don't know what it's called. Huh? The Ohio Thrift over by Tractor Supply? Huh? Okay. I can't hear you, but it's okay. So we're pulling in there, and we were, my wife and I, as we were driving down the road, we were talking about the goodness of the Lord. And we were talking about how He cares about us and the little things, and she said, and honey, was it that store, or were you just 
It wasn't that store, okay? Well, it brought up the idea, and she said, you know, one time I went into, uh, before I went in the store, she said, I needed a new coat. And she said, and we were really, really, really poor, and, and I even felt bad asking God, like, I could go in the thrift and I could get any coat, but I'd really like to have a certain coat, you know, like, there's something I like, there's something I think is pretty, you know, whatever it is. And she said she remembers praying and kind of almost feeling bad, like, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll take any coat you give me, it's okay, but you know, kind of in a childlikeness, she said, but I really, really like this certain thing, you know? And she goes in the store, and what, what do you think, guys? What do you think the story's going? She goes in the store, and the very thing she wanted was there. And just in the car, as we were driving down the road, my wife said, you know, God didn't have to do that. I didn't need that. I wanted it. But God doesn't just care about our needs. Amen? He cares about what we want. Those stories are the stories we need to be talking about and telling about. The devil would like us to sit around and talk about all the craziness that's going on in the world, all the insanity that's going on in the world with the news and with social media and all the goofiness that goes on. We need to be talking about what God's done in our lives. God didn't have to do that. These are the stories we need to keep telling of the goodness of God to us, his provision, his faithfulness. Not to let sin destroy our lives. Some of you have quite a story of you did wrong, but God forgave you and loved you and he gave you another chance. Your life was almost destroyed. As we tell our stories to our children and those that we attend church with and anyone else who will listen. We pass on, we replicate ourselves, our information and experience from one generation to another. This is how we, like the cells in our bodies, pass on this vital information for the next three verses. David continues to explain how to pass on the heritage that we have received to those that follow after us. We pass the baton as we finish our stretch. We reach forward, handing them what we have in our hands and hearts. I remember some of you... You know, you came to Christ and for a long time you didn't really want to talk about the life that you lived before. You wanted to get rid of old pictures and you wanted to forget that life. I would say, save them because it's part of your story. It's part of who you are. It's part of what God has done. Jonathan told me that uh, they were reading my book and they're reading the section about how I met Ashley in the book in the chapter called purple haired barista. <laughs> and, uh, that's fun. That's the kind of thing your kids are hearing a story. Someone wrote about you and, and that's part of your story. And what, what, what you hope happens with that is that when they meet a purple haired barista, they go, you know what? My mom was that. And look at my mom now. She's a good mom and she loves me and, and she, you know, feeds me and teaches me God word to love my dad. And, and, you know, God can change people and he can make them different. That's our story. Sometimes we like to forget what we were and act like we never were those things. It's okay. You don't have to lie and pretend you aren't, you aren't whatever you came from. That's what you were. 
I know some people don't like to hear me talk about my life. I need to talk about it. Verse 5, I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works. As Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. My question for you today is, what is your heart filled with? Here in verse 5, it is not particularly clear in the English translation, but what is being said here is that David will meditate. He will muse on God's greatness and majesty and the wonderful things that he has made and done. And that covers a lot. I learned this when I was a kid. I never forgot it. About this musing. This word muse means to think, means to meditate. What spoke to me when I saw the fuller meaning of the Hebrew is that in order to have a mouth filled with praise that passes on the passion of God's kingdom, we need to be thinking and meditating and musing. Do you know sitting and not doing something is not always doing nothing? Sometimes we need time to think. We need time to reflect. We need time to contemplate. You know, we were with Julia and she's like, you know, I spend a lot of time alone and I, I think a lot. That's not bad. Our current culture is filled with amusement. Everybody say amusement. Amusement is to, means to not think. Now, sometimes that's not such a bad thing, right? Sometimes we need a little amusement. We need something to just go, I'm just checking out, man. It's not bad. But you know, too much of a good thing is not good. Like, how many of you enjoy the wine at communion? Pretty good. Well, what if you drank a gallon of it? Think that'd be a good thing? Probably not so good, right? Amusement's not bad. But the amount of amusement that we are, guys, I'm telling you right now, there will be a day when historians look back, when you look back at your life, and you will say, our culture was drunken on amusement. And I know this is hitting hard for a bunch of clean living people. People that have experienced trauma that are having a hard time coping. Amusement is a short term. Everybody say short term. It is a short term break from reality, but it should not be and cannot be our way of life. Amusement can be reading the news because it's so far away from you. You're not thinking about what's going on in your life and what's happened to you. We literally amuse ourselves. I found myself amusing myself watching Ukrainians shoot rockets at Russian jets and bomb them down. My daughter looked at me and she's like, Daddy, somebody just died right there. I'm like, yeah, but it was kind of neat. Not the things that amuse me may not amuse you, but our problem isn't that we amuse and entertain ourselves sometimes, it's that we are addicted to it in a very harmful way. I would challenge you to keep track of the time you spend playing games, mindlessly searching, swiping, liking, watching reels, TikTok. None of us really want to do that because we'd rather not think about it. If you really want to find out what your problem is, go ahead and check out your history of the movies you've watched on Prime Video or Netflix or whatever. They'll they'll show you how many and you'll go, I need help. 
It's what you'd come to. I wrote here, we'd rather not think about it. <laughs> and then I put, ha, ha. <laughs> right? Amusement means not to think, right? We'd rather not think about how much we do that. We're too busy being amused and looking for the next amusement to want to think about how much we are deeply addicted to our own amusement and entertainment. We not only drift away from meaningful interaction with our family and friends, we certainly spend very little time musing, thinking, and meditating on the wondrous works of God. You're not going to pass on to the next generation uh, if you're not thinking about it, if you're not contemplating it, if you don't take moments to have silence. We've, we've lost this. Now in the car, there's, there's no silence and you wait for that person who doesn't talk a lot to say something. No, it doesn't happen. Everybody just does this. They got their headphones on. Guys, we're, we are, we're harming ourselves in ways we don't know. I'm not saying headphones are a sin. I'm not saying audiobooks are a sin. But you know, your kids need more than audiobooks. Yeah, they keep them from fighting and they keep them entertained. But I'm telling you, we're overdoing this. I'm overdoing this. I'm not trying to guilt trip anyone. Well, yeah, I actually am. How about that? But I'm trying to make us think about what we're doing with the time God has given us. Thinking and meditating doesn't mean writing reports, you know, working like a dog. It means stopping and purposely thinking about God in his many faceted glories. That, what, what, what does Psalm 1 say? It says, right? You guys know Psalm 1? Blessed is the man, right, that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, or stands in the way of sinners, or sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the, and in his law does he, really, we're meditating day and night? No, we're not. You know, Jack Ryan, oh, it's bad, let's, let's vid-angel it, so we can watch 500 episodes of Jack Ryan, and, and, and oh, the next movie came out, and, and yeah, in, in one week we can, uh, you know, we can watch it for $3.99 on Prime Video, but we can watch it right now for $20. It would be worth $20. We'd go to the movie theater and, we, and we'd spend that much and there's 10 of us in the room and that's only $2 a piece. Wow, it's great. It's fantastic. Did you enjoy? It was so awesome. Sorry. Reading a biography, listening to one, hearing stories of God's faithfulness, talk about the stories of the Bible, doing this fills our hearts and our mouths with what we need to pass it on from one generation to the next. Men shall speak of the might of thy terrible acts and will declare thy greatness. As we listen to others talking about these things, we take them into our hearts. Sometimes we need to learn to listen. Our conversation with others, we sit, and I love to hear people tell their stories. I love to hear what God's doing in their lives. When we hear them speak of God's greatness, God uses speech, words of our mouth to bring faith into the lives of others. Who have you told lately about God's goodness to your family? When you retell the stories, it builds your own faith. People will ask me to tell them a story and before it's over, I've enjoyed the story more than they have. And I'm like, that is right. God did that in my life. I never want to forget it. That's why I want to write it down. 200 years after I'm dead, someone may find my book in a, you know, an estate sale or in the trash or whatever and read it and hear a story of God's faithfulness. Verse 7, they shall abundantly utter the memory of 
thy great goodness and shall sing of thy righteousness. Think about it. Sing about it. Hum about it. Muse about it. Meditate on it. The more we do this, the more around us will do it too. They will remember and they will cause us to remember. And our words will turn to music and we shall sing of the goodness of God. I was uh, talking to uh, a couple guys out here in the parking lot. A couple guys. One of them was Billy. On the Billy and uh, he, I said, do you remember when we first met? And he said, yeah. And I started, I started telling him the story of when we first met. And then he added to the story. He goes, well, you remember you got my Bible and you were going to rip some pages out of my Bible. And I'm like, I never did that. And he goes, oh, yeah, you did. Because it was part of the Bible he didn't want to do. And I said, well, let's just rip that out. Well, you can do all the rest. You can't do these two pages. Let's rip them out. He's like, no, no, no. I don't remember that. In fact, I don't even know if that's true. <laughs> he, he believes it, though. I don't know. But we tell these stories. He's like, no, that, that impacted me. That, that affected my life. You grab those pages and I'm thinking to myself, I don't want to just believe some of it. I'm going to believe it all. We begin singing. Singing is one of the very powerful ways to pass on what we are and, and what we believe. We sing the songs of many generations. You know, when the kids are up here practicing music and they're singing together, I'm liking that. Yeah, kids, I like to go in my office and I like to play Call of Duty. That's fine, but... There's nothing like singing and playing and worshiping the Lord to build relationship with each other and with the Lord. When we sing a mighty fortress is our God, we remember Luther and all those who sacrificed to bring about the great reformation. When we ultimately think of, we sing of the goodness of God with them. They will shout joyfully when they hear Stories about what God did through the likes of William Wilberforce who ended slavery in England and John Newton who was a captain of a slave ship who miraculously was saved and became the author of Amazing Grace. Singing and music which I hope to hear more and more from all of us. Hopefully some original songs that are born from original experiences. David pauses from his lesson on generational succession to just show us how it's done. David says, this is what we ought to do. And then David just starts doing it. Verse eight, the Lord is gracious. He's full of compassion. He's slow to anger and he's great in mercy. Can you hear David doing this? David was saying what we should do and now he's just gonna do it. He's, this is what we call doxology. Doxology is when someone's talking and then also like, you know, God's good. He's amazing. He's fantastic. He's full of mercy. You go, only weirdos do that. Folks, be a weirdo. God is great. He's a God of mercy. Mercy, Jesus said, was one of the weightier matters of the law. It is neglected by those who focus on the rules and not the love of God. There's this book my, uh, my mother-in-law had. She handed to me, and I don't know if this person is a Christian or not. I don't, I don't know. But there's some serious Christian stuff in here. I opened this book, and I'm just kind of thumbing through it because it's kind of odd and they asked this little boy what he wants to be when he grows up. Amy, you know what he says? He said, I want to be kind. And I'm like, oh. There's something to think about. There's something to think about other than the news. Facebook, Instagram, and all of these things are calling us from our, our phones. I hate it that they decide what we're going to think about. I, they, I do it. I'm, I'm as guilty as anybody. 
I want to talk to my wife about the thing I just read, about the thing that I was just thinking about. And you know what I find? I love, I like it more, Ash, when I'm working on my sermon and I come back and, and I talk to her about what I found in God's word. We have better conversations than, did you know that a guy in Japan turned himself into a collie? You know, that really happened this week. I don't know if you know this. It's like insane. And then we all start going, hoo hoo, and we start talking about it. And you're like, what does this add to my life? We need less of social media and entertainment and endless varieties if we're going to pass on what God has given us to another generation. We can't be swept away in the time of the spirit of the age that has taken most of us nearly captive. We need to take it captive and cause it to pass on what we have to another generation. The Lord is good to all, he says in verse 9. His tender mercies are over all of his works. The Lord is good to everyone. This is David is praising the Lord. He's like, you know, God's good to everybody. He's not just good to me. He's good to everybody. We don't deserve it. When the blooms of the dogwood bloom and the moon glows above us in the summer sky. Oh, God has given it to us to enjoy. Verse 10, all thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. His works praise him. When we look at his works, you go, well, it's not doing anything sitting outside and looking at the moon. It is all God's works. Praise him. Casting palm branches, casting their coats like those who threw their praise at Jesus. All thy works shall praise thee. Thy works are casting, they're throwing. All thy saints shall bless thee. The word bless means to kneel. There is a picture that creation sees God, sees Jesus Christ as the king. And they are throwing their, 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 their palm branches. They're throwing their jackets. They're kneeling to their king. This is what creation is doing. Here we see the glorious picture of the king's entrance before a mighty host. King of glory comes and every knee bows, every tongue confesses his lordship over all of them and over all of the world. Jesus came to establish his kingdom, the church over which the gates of hell shall not prevail. When he was here, he taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Everybody say on earth. As it is in heaven. You see, passing on to the next generation is an earthly activity. Something we do to maintain the church in the next generation. We are praying every day for God to establish a worldwide kingdom and crush the kingdoms of this world. Verse 11, they shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom. They shall talk of thy power. The king and his kingdom is glorious, the glorious future of the earth. It is not destined to destruction. It is not irredeemable as some may think. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He loved the world and he's going to save the world and he is saving it. Jesus cannot fail and he will not fail. He is not failing right now. It may appear to our human eyes that he is, but that is not what is happening. And the question today is, are you entitled are you enlisted, I should say, in his kingdom? Does he rule every aspect of your life or are you just playing country club church? 12, to make known the sons of men, his mighty acts, the glorious majesty of his kingdom. The sons of men are the race of men who follow the way of Cain and yet they too will bow before him. They will laud his name as king of the earth willingly or unwillingly. He says in verse 13, thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. God had told David he would establish a kingdom through him that would ever and forever endure. Jesus, the son of David, is the last and final king. 
and his promises that he will always be king as he treads out his enemies in the winepress of the wrath of God, squashing them like grapes into oblivion. I know it sounds violent, and it is, but those who have hurt little ones, those who have enslaved as children, those who have abused and mistreated, those who would not show kindness or gentleness but were brutal and took advantage, they will be judged by God. Every crooked thing will be made straight. Every high thing brought low and every low thing brought up. He will mete out justice in a world with weaponized justice of the good and the innocent and free reign for robbers and villains who live for themselves in the name of living for others. God is going to ground these people to powder and put them in a place of torment. Their lives will be exposed. The fires of hell and torment await them. Those that are ruled by hate and malice and violence, peace will come though on earth and love will rule and God will vanquish sin, disease, and sickness, poverty, abandonment, loneliness, and despair. An incredible garden city will arise from the ashes of a burning earth and the kingdom will endure forever. Verse 14 says, the Lord upholds all that that fall and he raises up those that are bowed down. If you've fallen this week, Today, God can raise you up if you bow down to addiction and put your hands back into the shackles of sin. He is there to break the chains and lead you out of darkness into his marvelous light. These are the works of God we praise. Can we say thanks be to God? The psalmist says in Psalm 113, praise ye the Lord, praise him, O ye servants of the Lord, praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth forevermore from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above the nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like our God who dwells on high? He raises the poor out of the dust. He lifted the needy out of the dunghill that he may set him with princes, even of his people. He makes the barren woman to keep house and the joyful makes her a joyful mother of children. Everybody say praise you, the Lord. Verse 15, the eyes... Of all wait upon thee, and thou givest them their meat in season. It is because of God that we have food to eat. David is just praising God for what? For all that simple stuff. We have food to eat. All creatures, great and small, look to him, the provider of every good thing. Millions and billions and people and animals alike receive from his kind hand every single day. Those who do not understand this, who do not know it, nonetheless, when they give thanks for it, they are giving thanks to him. Verse 16, you open your hand and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. And God is good to all, whether they praise him or not. Today we know him and that all these things come from him. Can you see how David is teaching us to praise the Lord? Can you see how praising God passes on the passion of our love for him to the generations that follow? People talk about what you want written on your tombstone, and I don't know, I guess it would change from time to time, but I would think that what I would want would be, it was clear that he loved God. Or maybe it was clear that God loved him, I don't know. Something like that. The Lord is righteous in all of his ways and holy in all of his works. Verse 18 The Lord is nigh to them that call upon him. 
to all that call upon him in truth. He is great, but he is not far from us. As Paul told the Athenians on Mars Hill, quoting from one of their poets, in him we live and move and we have our being. He is not far from us. We may feel as though he is far from us, but he never is. For when we call, he answers. Verse 19 says, he will fulfill the desire of them that fear him and he will hear their cry and he will save them. Isn't that something to praise God for today? You know, there are people that have no one to call. No one's coming. People dial 911 in some neighborhoods. The police never come. People call for friends and family and no one ever helps them. We have a God who hears us and who comes. Those things that God has filled you with the desire for, he will fulfill them in your lives if you can be patient. You know, I know some of you have desire. And you say, is it ever going to be fulfilled? Right here, it says it right here. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. Raise your hand if you fear God. I can promise you right now, if God has put in your heart a desire for whatever it might be, and it's a good and godly desire, God is going to fill that desire. He will. You should praise him for it before he does. You'll feel better about it when it comes rather than saying, why don't I have it? Why don't I have it? What are you doing, God? God's loving you is what he's doing. Wait on the Lord, be of good cheer. He has overcome the world. Wait on the Lord and you will not be disappointed. Wait on him and refuse to move into your own carnal mind and be, be led by the Spirit, teaching your children to wait on God, to speak and to lead us. It's how we pass on what we have to the next generation. Like the Lord spoke to Philip and told him to join the Ethiopian eunuch, God still speaks to those who will listen. God has always done this from the time of Adam, and he has never stopped doing this. He is not leading us into creating new scriptures or preaching some new weird doctrines. We depend on his written word for all of that. But he leads his children. He leads them in conversations. He leads them in witnessing. Teach our children not to rush in before inquiring from God. Teach our children to walk in the Spirit. Paul taught the Galatians, if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the works of your flesh. Walking in the Spirit means listening and learning from God as His people always have done. They used to use the Urim and the Thummim and they used to use the golden ephod and there were prophets and all that stuff. But the Bible tells us He has sent His Holy Spirit into our hearts. And he said, don't even, you don't even have to think about what you're going to say when you go before people because God will fill your mouth. He will help you what to say. He will speak to you. The Bible says the great comforter will come to us and teach us. Verse 20, the Lord preserves all them that love him, but all that are wicked, he will destroy. You might say, I feel like I'm at the end and I'm not going to make it. God will preserve you. It's the wicked who will perish. God will preserve you. He will preserve your generation. He will allow you to pass on to the next generation. Verse 21, my mouth shall speak of the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Everybody say, bless the name of the Lord. Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you so much for the truth of your word, the patience of your people. I pray, Lord God, that you would just fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you would give us what we need to pass on, your word, your passion, your love, your knowledge, to replicate ourselves, Lord, to the generation that will fill these roles. Help us, Lord God, to pass it on through the meditation of your word, through the praising of your name, 
through the telling of your stories. Lord, may we pass it on to another generation and may they do more than we have. In Christ's name we pray and all God's people said. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray your time with us was very encouraging. If it was, consider sending us a note and also consider partnering with us.